All right, good morning, Rimrock. Merry Christmas, everyone. We're full-blown into the season, and it's wonderful. Hope that you guys are excited and taking some time to enjoy the holidays and just reflect and remember who God is. So let's stand and sing together. Just 
without hope, without light, till from heaven you came running, there was mercy in your eyes, to fulfill the law and prophets, to a virgin came the word, from a throne of endless glory, to Well, good morning. What a beautiful day to be together to praise our God, our King, our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, so thankful that, uh, that you're here this morning. We, we love uh, seeing you and love uh, joining together in our song and our praise 
of our God. So if you're new to Rimrock, I just I want to welcome you. My name is Pastor Ben Green, and uh, we're so happy that you're here. If you're visiting us for the first time, we pray that you'd feel welcome. Um, there is a little card in front. Maybe you've been here a few times, and uh, we may be wanting to know more about Rimrock Church, and we'd l- invite you to fill that out. You can take that back in the uh, foyer. There's a, a little t- a welcome desk, and uh, we have a gift there for you, and we'd love to share more about, about Rimrock Church uh, with you. Um, we're coming up on uh, a, a great season here in uh, Rimrock Advent as we prepare for Christmas. Uh, last Sunday, um, Chris Doyle and Amy Delane shared about a, a Christmas project that we're doing as a church to raise money for our pastors in India, who we've supported the last five years. And so uh, we're raising money for coats. And I just, I just got to say, I, I was so blown away this past week because uh, just one Sunday sharing about this, over $3,000 was given last Sunday for coats. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? And I just think, you know, this has to be God's spirit in his people. The, the, this generosity that I see in you um, is so beautiful and so encouraging for me as a pastor as I think about what our vision is, a community being transformed by Jesus Christ, and, and that generosity is such a picture of the work of God in our lives. So pray, praise his name. Um, just so you know, uh, two things to be praying about as we come up to uh, Christmas and Christmas Eve. Uh, we're going to have two services here on Christmas Eve, one at 3 and one at 5 p.m. And, uh, and what I would ask you to be praying about is, is could God be... Um, inviting you to invite someone to one of those services so they can hear the good news about Jesus. There's something so uh, wonderful about Christmas. It's our chance as, uh, as Christians to share with our culture uh, the hope of Christ, the gift of Christ in this world. So um, there's no guilt, there's no pressure, but just pray about it. Say, God, is there someone that you were asking me to invite? And so pray about that. The other thing I'm going to ask you to pray about is um, we, we have a lot of guests who come uh, at those services, and would you pray about uh, maybe serving? And so we're looking for people to help uh, pass out candy canes and to be ushers and to help uh, those evenings in lots of different ways. So there will be a sign-up sheet uh, out there at that welcome desk as well. And so, But just be praying about that. Pray if there's a, a role that God could have you to serve uh, that night on Christmas Eve. And then we will also have one service on Christmas Day at 9 a.m., um, and so it's going to be uh, just one service at 9 a.m. on Christmas morning. And we, we understand many of you will be with, with family, and that's, that's perfectly okay. But we also recognize there's many people who, uh, who maybe don't have family in the area but, uh, but want to come and worship. And so we're going to be here worshiping the Lord on Christmas morning as well. Well, I'm going to invite uh, a couple um, families up front here. Um, as a church, uh, we, we realize... God has called us into many areas of life, and I believe God has called each of you to be his servants. So you don't have to be a pastor, you don't have to be a missionary to be a servant of God. We are the priesthood of believers. And one of the areas of service in our world is in Romans 13, it says God has appointed some to serve in areas that bring benefit to the whole nation or the whole people. And God says in Romans 13 that these people are servants of God. And so I want to write, th- invite Thad and Chris um, Schmidt to come forward, and also Greg and Jenny Darlow, if you guys would come. I know many of you, as you're preparing for Christmas, are going to be with family, but here's two families whose 
Lives are going to be very different this Christmas. Um, Thad and Greg are being deployed. So we have a unit being deployed um, into the Middle East. And so I just think it's imperative as a church that we pray for these families um, as they go into this deployment. I know some of you out here in the audience have been through a deployment, and it's... I, I, I don't understand it because I haven't been through it, but I know it's a huge cost. And so we just want to thank you guys for your service. Thank you for being willing to be servants of God in that room. Would you join me in praying not only for Greg and Thad, but also for Jenny and, and Chris and their children as uh, they're also part of this deployment as well. Lord... Lord, you know how much we love these couples, these families, God. And we're so thankful that, that God, they're, they're asking for prayer this morning because they realize they, they need you, and we realize that we need you as they, as they go. Lord, we think of um, Thad and Greg and just the commitment that they have, their dedication to our country and to uh, being your servants on our behalf. And so we praise you for them. Lord, we pray for courage and strength for them, wisdom for them. We pray that they would be lights in the, the dark places that they will go and that they would be able to be an encouragement to their, their unit and the people they're around. We pray for their whole unit, God, that you would protect them and watch over them. And Lord, we also pray for the families, particularly for Chris and Jenny as they uh, stay and keep things together here, that God, you would give them the courage and the strength they need. And Lord, surround them, Lord. I know there's many people that love them, but God, show us how we can practically love them in this time. Lord, please raise up people to su support them and provide for them and to be with their children as well, Lord. Lord, we ask for your hand of protection and blessing. In Jesus' name, amen. Your God has 
we come before your throne and just continue to adore you, continue just to bow and worship. God, we thank you for being the light of the world that stepped down into darkness. God, that you opened our eyes and let us see. God, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for the hope that you bring, God. Not just, God, not just as a baby, but just throughout all of history, God. You have brought a message of hope and redemption, God. And, and even today, God, you bring hope to us all. God, may we turn our eyes to you. Just continue to worship through Nick's message this morning. God, and hear what you have to say. We pray this in your name. Amen. Good morning. Am I on? I'm on. Well, we are in the middle of our Advent series here at Rimrock, as, as Ben mentioned earlier. And uh, so we'll be here up through Christmas. And Advent, as Christians, we, we celebrate the arrival of Jesus Christ. As, as most people in America know the story, the, the birth of our Lord and Savior Jesus. Uh, but as Christians, we have an incredible, I think, framing that we sit here to celebrating the initial arrival of Jesus as a baby, and then we also look forward to hope at the second arrival of Jesus as king. And so I think both of those things, um, the, the birth, the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus, uh, give us purpose and meaning for today. But also, the second coming, the second advent of Jesus Christ, does that not give you hope and purpose uh, for this time in between? And so, as we look into Christmas season and celebrating the advent, uh, we have decided to frame this in this series on 2 Corinthians chapter 4, uh, primarily on verses 5 through 6. Uh, today, I'm going to read 4 through 6 because... Uh, Basically, verse 4 helped me understand so much the rest of the verse as well. And so, uh, I'm going to read this. Today, the key idea is basically seeing Jesus, this baby born in a manger in Bethlehem, who we are getting ready to celebrate, is Lord, and he is the image of God and the light of God. And so, if you would, follow along with me as I read 2 Corinthians 4, 4 through 6. It says, the God of this world, that's Satan or the deceiver, the accuser, the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelieving so that they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. So if we stop there and we think of what the enemy is up to, he's trying to, it says, blind the minds of the unbelieving. So he's attacking, blinding obviously is something that uh, you can't see, so there's darkness here. And so he's trying to cast darkness, not necessarily only on the Christmas story itself, but on what? The light of the gospel, of the glory of Christ. So we're continuing going to see all these themes throughout our, our verses here, where Satan is interested most, not in just, hey, America has a reason to celebrate, and they throw trees, and they throw lights. But he, he wants to keep us from seeing the glory of that story. He wants to keep us from seeing the beauty and the personal touch that that has. If we go on, for we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus as Lord, and ourselves as your bondservants for Jesus' sake. So here Paul is talking about his intent, and what he's doing is preaching the gospel, but not for his sake. 
He's preaching the gospel for Jesus' sake and in service of others. And if you think about the full message of the gospel, we believe that all of this takes place for the glory of God. But as we worship God, as we allow God to be first and foremost, it always expresses itself in service to others and not unto ourselves. So Paul's declaring his intent is not to edify and glorify himself or his people, but ultimately to bring glory to Jesus Christ for their sake. He says, For God who said, Light shall shine out of darkness, he is the one who has shown in our hearts to give light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. So that's kind of an interesting sentence, but if we look at, again, um, verse 4, we know the enemy is trying to allow us or keep us from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. And then look at the parallels here. God, who said, light shall shine out of darkness, is the one who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So over and over, we're going to spend some time thinking about light and darkness. We're going to talk about what it means to, to have glory or to be glorified. And specifically, how this affects us talks about the minds and the knowledge and belief. And so Ben talked last week about this creation moment. I love how he packaged that. And so when we look and it says, um, so Paul's reciting uh, Old Testament here in Genesis. It says, light shall shine out of darkness. And so if you'll remember in Genesis 1, 1 through 5, actually maybe we'll read it. Do we have that one? It says this, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the heavens. So if we stop right there, we have heaven and earth, but darkness was filled, void of any purpose, void of any meaning. Basically, there was chaos. Nothing was put together. And as the Spirit of God moved over it, God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. And God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness he called night. And there was evening and there was morning one day. So what's taking place at creation is God is putting order to chaos. God is bringing light to darkness. And when he brings light and we, have, we can see things, we can make sense of things, all of a sudden we have purpose and we have meaning. And so way back at creation God did this. And then again as pointed out last week that God is doing something new again in the birth of Jesus Christ. God is taking darkness and, and putting more order to it, more revelation, more clarity. So we'll spend some time on that today, and even into next week, we'll look at what does this look like for your life and for my life. I love how the message says this. 2 Corinthians 4, 5, and 6, God said, light up the darkness. And our lives were filled up with the light as we saw and understood God's face in the face of Christ, all bright and beautiful. Don't you love that? Light up the darkness, this declaration that God makes to bring order, purpose to a world void of hope. If we fast forward and make this feel Christmassy, we better spend some time with the birth of Jesus, right? And so we'll spend some time in Matthew 1. 
We're going to have a lot of scriptures, so bear with me. Keep locking in here. Matthew 1 says, When they had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translates to mean God with us. So interesting, twice here we get this naming. So once it says his name shall be Jesus, and it gives his purpose. He will save the world by the forgiveness of their sins. And then it also says his name shall be Emmanuel, which translates God with us. And when you think about a name, you get an identity from your name, but also, and so often, particularly in the Old, Old Testament, old, ancient days, you not, not only get identity, but you get purpose. And so this first one, Jesus, is his, his proper name, right? Jesua. And so he declares, you will name him Jesus, and his purpose will be to save people from their sin. But even on top of that, this Emmanuel, we get a, a very purposeful name. That the reason to save people from their sin, ultimately, is why? Emmanuel, so you can be with God and God can be with you. And so the naming of this child, Jesus, to save people from their sin, there's purpose. Emmanuel, we get many names in Scripture of God, right? Emmanuel, God with us. That is when, that's really what Christmas is about, is it not? Come to celebrate God coming down and living with us. He's reciting here uh, Isaiah as he talks about, you will name him Emmanuel. This is Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, is when it first shows up in Scripture that says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin will be with child and bear a son, and he shall call his name Emmanuel, God with us. So who is this baby that's born? Who is this one that we celebrate? Who is this one that, not just for one day, but for an entire, as, as long as we can, right? As soon as uh, Thanksgiving's over. Like, we can't, we love Thanksgiving, but we're waiting for it to get over. Why? Christmas, to decorate for Christmas. My kids have been busting Sherry big time on decorating the house, decorating the house, decorating the house. Some of you have staunch rules. You don't do that before Thanksgiving. Some of you start listening to Christmas music as soon as it drops below 50, right? <laughs> but the whole point, the whole point is why do we celebrate the birth of this child? Who is this child? And as Christians, we believe that he is Lord. As Christians, we look to the prophecies of old, like Isaiah, which took place a thousand years before Matthew, and if you think about this, it's pretty hard to believe, we've come to, to terms, most of us, that the God Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, who has always been and always will be, the Alpha and the Omega, became a baby, became flesh and blood. A little child born through normal circumstances, totally dependent on his mom. If he was cold, he needed wrapped. That's pretty hard to believe on first hearing. And so if something is hard to believe initially, what do you do? You look for more evidence. You look for more evidence to see, could this be true? And I totally believe if you keep listening to the story, if you keep watching, 
the evidence begins to stack up. We don't have time for all the apologetics of how Jesus fulfilled all of the ancient prophecies. And some of them you could say, well, okay, this could be a, a crazy Hebrew family that says, hey, there was some prophecies about a boy. Let's name him the same thing. And let's uh, say that he was born in the same town. But eventually you start to recognize, whoa, this young man is making the lame walk. That was prophesied. This young man is making the blind see. That was prophesied. This young man is being crucified. That was prophesied. The evidence begins to stack up, which, which once was unbelievable. God gives us evidence and faith to now dare we believe that this child was God. And I think as we look at Jesus and look at the evidence stack up, we'll finish on recognizing it's pretty hard to believe what we declare as well. The end of Second um, Corinthians 4 talks about God shining in our hearts and saying, light up the darkness in our lives. And then we have our creation moment, our rebirth, the arrival of the Spirit in us. That's pretty hard to believe as well. It's one thing to think, well, someone just learns a little more morality, and so they toe the line a little bit. Or someone changes to get a little softer when they were once angry. Like, we've seen people make small tweaks, right? But yet, the Christian faith says that just like God spoke something new into existence, just like Christ came and was born on earth at Christmas, we declare that faith in Jesus Christ says something brand new has happened to us, a complete rebirth. That is hard to believe, that the old has passed away and new has come. But again, keep listening. Keep looking at the stories of the people that you know. Keep remembering the things that have happened in your life, and you start to see way more than simple small tweaks and adjustments, don't you? You hear story after story after story of something brand new, something miraculous. Who is this baby that was born? Hebrews 1 says this. In these last days, he has spoken to us in his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom he also made the world. So this baby that was born is the word of God. It's how he is speaking. He is the radiance of his glory. There's that idea of light, right? This idea of illumination, radiance. He is the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature. And he upholds all things by the word of his power. When he has made purification of sin, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. So again, we get this idea. I really believe that God has been revealing himself for all time. And actually, Evan is spending time on downtown campus unpacking how God has made himself known in the Old Testament. And I love that he does that. And so I think over and over, God continues to reveal himself or make his radiance shown. But the scripture teaches, and, and specifically here, that the, the clarity of God the Father, to see him more clearly, is through the Son. It declares what? He is the exact representation of his nature. How about Colossians 1? For he rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son. From darkness to what? 
light. And who's the light? Jesus Christ rescued us from darkness, transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, both in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. So this baby that was born... So far, we've got all things were created by him, all things were created for him, all things were created through him. Jesus is Lord. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is also the head of the body, the church, and he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he himself would come to have first place in everything. For it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in him. And through him to reconcile all things to himself, having made peace through the blood of his cross, through him, I say, whether things on earth or things in heaven, the fullness to dwell in him and to reconcile all things through him by peace in the blood of the cross. So again, you get this idea of creation being void of any purpose and any form and darkness hovers everywhere. And when God says, let there be light, all of a sudden, this order and this structure and this healing and this redemption takes place. And Jesus Christ is doing the very same thing in the lives of people and in this world. The other day, I was interacting with a man who had been married three times. Uh, his kids were completely estranged to him. Uh, all the relationships he had were just broken, and he was a very bitter man, and you could see it, you could feel it, you could smell it. His entire world was broken and dark, and those who claim to be his friends very likely simply just tolerate this. And so is this not the darkness that Jesus came to heal? Is this not the darkness that Jesus came to to pour light and to declare, let light shine in the darkness. This is an older man, and I am convinced that his world will continue to stay broken until he not only just hears the Christmas story, but until his mind understands and his heart believes that Jesus Christ is the light that can change his life completely. Until Jesus Christ enters in and the glory of God in the face of Christ is what is going to change this man. I want to talk about this idea of glory. Glory in the Greek, so New Testament, Old Testament is kavod, New Testament is doxa, D-O-X-A. And basically this glory of God in the face of Jesus or glory of the gospel of the light of Jesus who is the image of God. Glory means reputation. Glory means to have an opinion of, to regard highly, to praise, to honor, and to esteem. And so when you think about having an opinion, there's two audiences, right? You, to have glory, one being has to have an opinion or be able to see the, the beauty and the majesty of something else. So last night we were driving uh, downtown with some friends, and you guys seen the Christmas lights downtown? It's awesome. It's beautiful. Those huge trees, and 
They are all strung up with multicolored lights, and my sister-in-law says, oh my goodness, that's beautiful. She hadn't been downtown Rapid City for a long time. And she was just going on and on about the beauty of the lights. And you think about all those lights were already strung up there. They were put in order, but until they were illuminated, until they lit up, until they radiated, we didn't really see the glory, right? Or maybe a better example is Clark W. Griswold. Right? He, he does a ton of work putting lights on. And Russ helps him unpack them. And so they're stapled up there. They're all in rows. They're exactly how he wants it to be. But there's no glory until what? Until they're lit up. Until someone can see them. And God is God. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. But he desired to express his glory. He desired to get glory and so he makes us to behold that. He makes us, we see that. So he shows that off so that we can declare how glorious he is. And unlike art, the little, the little ones aren't twinkling. Thanks for noticing art, right? We want to be able to notice the glory of God in every moment and in every gift we open and in every light bulb and in every soup kitchen that we serve and in every coat that we give, recognizing this is the glory of God. When his light has shown in our hearts and done some new creation in us so that we can't help to worship, and our worship is expressed in what? Giving, not preaching ourselves, but in service towards others. This is the difference between simply knowing the facts of the Christmas story and seeing the glory of God through the face of Jesus Christ. Colossians 2 says, Christ himself, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Ephesians 3, 8 through 11, we won't read all this, but it says, the unfathomable riches of Christ to bring to light what? The wisdom of God that might be made known. So again, if you go back to 2 Corinthians, it talks about Satan's trying to blind our eyes, blind our minds, keep us from unbelieving. God's trying to press light so far in that our minds can understand, our eyes can see, and most importantly, so our hearts can believe that Jesus Christ is the light that will shine in the darkness. Ephesians 3.11 says, This was in accordance with the eternal purpose that he carried out in Christ Jesus our Lord. The eternal purpose is carried out by who? Christ Jesus. The arrival of Jesus Christ. So as God has continued to make himself known through all the ages, those things initially were shadows and types, all pointing to what? The birth and life, death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. I want to end on a story. I hope we've seen the parallels between the glory of God, the image in Jesus, the glory of Jesus, the representation of God. And all of this is finally realized, and later we'll talk again next week, in the next couple weeks, of what that means when it's shown in your hearts. But all this has to do with being able to see things that were once dark. All of this has to do with recognizing how it applies to you 
Uh, can you throw that picture up there? So these are some friends of Sherry and I's. This is Reynard and his wife, Shelly. And so Shelly and Sherry were friends way back in college when we first started dating. Uh, and years ago, they came through South Dakota and they were visiting. And Reynard was telling a story. They have great stories, super unique. So they met when they were all both working on a cruise ship. So they're working on a cruise ship, they fall in love and they get married. Cool point number one. But Reynard tells this story. And when he was growing up, he was a little boy, maybe five or six years of age, and he and a cousin were kidnapped. And they were taken from their families. And he remembers being in this car and being driven, and of course he has no idea where he's going, and can you imagine the darkness that you feel at that time? And so he goes a few villages beyond his own, and he goes to sleep. And can you imagine, I doubt he sleeps much, but can you imagine that first night when you have no idea what is going to happen to you. You have no idea if you're going to see your family again. And so the next day, morning comes, and two or three days pass by, and he is scared, and darkness is coming, creeping over him as a little boy. And then the part of the story that just nails me is he said, then I was sitting on a windowsill, unknown of what the day was going to hold, and I looked, and a man was walking towards the house. And when I recognized my father's face, relief flooded my life. His father had found him. His father was walking towards the house. And so he jumped down from this little patio windowsill. You imagine his life being changed in one moment. We talk about one of the most powerful words in the world is relief. Because relief leads to hope. And hope leads to peace. And so as Reynard's life was completely dark, completely unknown, the thing that changed in an instant was when he saw the glory of his father's face coming to rescue him. Could you imagine what would take place within you? This is the message of the gospel. This is 2 Corinthians 4. That the glory of the gospel is Jesus Christ. The glory of God and his purpose to shine in your darkness and to give you relief, to give you hope, and to give you peace is made known and realized in the person, the birth of Jesus Christ. And so this Christmas, as we celebrate all this, I hope you celebrate like crazy, and I hope you enjoy all of the things, and know that every single celebration, every single activity, I know sometimes it can be stressful. That's part of life. Deal with it. But all of that is maybe even our cost to deal with our culture to deal with the activity, to deal with the family. I understand that. Do what you can to settle yourself. But in a way, part of me says, you know what? Embrace that. That's our cost to celebrate our king. That's our cost to recognize, thank you, God, for showing me the face of my Savior on a day when I was hopeless. That's worthy of celebrating all year, is it not?
2 Corinthians, Light shall shine out of darkness. He is the one who has shown in my heart to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father God, there's many of us sitting here who just need constantly reminded of the miracle of God becoming man, of the resolve of Jesus determined to come to our darkness and save us. The gift of your life, the gift of your death that brought the forgiveness of our sin. The gift of your resurrection that gives us a hope, not just for the first coming, but the second. And God, if there's people here who certainly they're familiar with the Christmas story, but so far it's simply just been facts. I pray that you would begin to stack the evidence up in front of them. That there was a God, there is a God, there was a man named Jesus who came and who lives for their sake to rescue them, to declare light up the darkness in their life. And that if you would be pleased, they could look at the lives of those around them to recognize the change that you bring the new creation that you have made in your people. We praise you and we thank you for your goodness and your mercy. In the midst of all kinds of circumstances, some good and some bad, we pray that somewhere within us would continue to celebrate and declare that you alone are God, creator of heaven and earth. And you loved us so much that you came to be called Emmanuel, God with us. Help us to remember your presence at all times and in all places. Amen.
good man. Amen. Thanks so much for being here. Pray that you guys continue to worship throughout this week. And we'll see you next week.